Não adianta eles acharem que vão fazer com que eu pare. Eu não pararei porque eu não sou mais um ser humano. Eu sou uma ideia. There is no point in thinking that they'll stop me. I won't stop because I'm no longer a human being. I am an idea. These words were uttered by former Brazilian president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva just before he surrendered himself to the federal police to start serving a 12-year prison sentence. Lula was found guilty of corruption and money laundering. He was charged with accepting bribes from a construction company in the form of a beachfront apartment. His arrest is an extraordinary moment in a rather extraordinary life. Lula was the most improbable Brazilian president in history. A man who was born into poverty, made into the floor of a steel company, became a union leader, lost three elections, but managed to win two presidential terms and finish his tenure as the most popular Brazilian politician in history. Now he becomes the first former president ever to be incarcerated for corruption. This is Explaining Brazil, a podcast by the Brazilian Report, and my name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. Today, we have to talk about Lula. And today we host Claudio Couto, a political scientist and head of Fundação Getúlio Vargas Master's Program in Public Policy and Administration and a columnist at the Brazilian Report. Hello, Claudio. Hello, how are you? Great, great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gustavo. Claudio, Lula's arrest sparked numerous demonstrations around the country, both in support of Lula and in celebration of his arrest. Why has Lula become a figure for such hate and such reference, depending on whom you talk to? Well, I think that Lula has a very peculiar history and a very peculiar trajectory. Lula was one uh, of the main important social leaders and political leaders of Brazilian transition from authoritarian rule to democracy in late 70s and early 80s. Uh, in the beginning of the 80s, he was also the main founder of the Workers' Party, perhaps uh, the most important left-wing party in Brazil in whole history, a party that uh, was comprised by many leaders from the, the unions, leaders from social movements, the new kinds of social movements, some members of the progressive church, left-wingers that were members of clandestine uh, organizations during the military dictatorship, and some uh, professional politicians of the opposition party during the military regime. And Lula was the main organizer of this party. And for the whole period uh, of PT's uh, struggle to become a big party, Lula was still the main figure. He was the first presidential candidate of the party in 1989, and after that, He was candidate twice, and in both times he lost, but he was a, 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 an important uh, com competitor. Uh, he was the second candidate in both, uh, in both elections, both in 1994 and 1998. And finally, in 2002, when Lula was elected, after moving to the center of the political spectrum, well, Lula became uh, uh, a kind of a, a, a realization, a, a, a special uh, conquer 
for social movements for the for the left in Brazil and uh, his inauguration was a very special inauguration with thousands of people on the streets and after that during his administration Lula was responsible also for implementing several policies that were important in terms of redu reducing uh, inequality and most of all reducing poverty in Brazil and since Brazil is a very nickel country with a large amount of population who is really poor well to have such a kind of leader uh, is especially important and finally, uh, and I think that it must be stressed, Lula is perhaps the typical charismatic leader, uh, perhaps the most charismatic leader that uh, we could see in Brazil for years. And even when he is arrested, even when he's go to jail after being Dimitri's guilty in a corruption process, not only many people don't believe that the accusations against him uh, are correct, but besides that, they think that his importance as a, a historical political leader, uh, it, it overcomes uh, any faults that he could have committed. And for all these reasons, we have such a situation, such a historical moment when a, a person like Lula goes to jail. But what you're saying explains why he's so loved. But for people who don't know Lula that closely, why is he so hated as well? Because, for instance, in Sao Paulo, a lot of people uh, lit fireworks. There were demonstrations uh, in support of his arrest. So he's a, uh, as much loved as polarizing of a leader, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that the reasons why Lula is so hated are exactly the same reasons why he's so loved. It has to do with the political polarization in Brazil. Well, since uh, Lula's policies during Petit's uh, years uh, on the federal administration were responsible for changing the landscape of Brazilian society, to changing people from their uh, established positions in the social hierarchy, well, uh, it's, it's something that affects the social perception of the places uh, to which people belong to. Uh, and uh, it causes, uh, for some sectors of society, uh, uh, an uncomfortable situation. Uh, besides that, PT really faced important uh, uh, corruption scandals. Uh, since the beginning of Lula's administration, 2005, 2006, and we were talking about the third and fourth year of his first term, we had the Mensalão scandal, a scandal that was related to paying bribes to representatives in the House. Uh, the PT never, and Lula himself, they never uh, did a self-criticism about that. They never uh, uh, apologized for that, and I don't think that they really corrected the, the trend of the party want to regard that problem. Uh, besides this, you have the policies, you have the, the transformations that the PT produced in Brazilian society. And uh, for some sectors of the society, they cannot be uh, 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 accepted because they were responsible for this kind of transformations. For other sectors of society, they cannot be accepted because they are deemed as corrupt, but they are, of course, not the, on the only corrupt in Brazil, but uh, you have the combinations of both things. And uh, the problems of PT with corruption, of Lula, the, the most important leader of PT with corruption, they are uh, uh, justifications 
to going against the PT for, by this mixture of ideological reasons and moral reasons at the same time. I don't think that this, both things can be separated. They are really intermingled. And uh, if I may jump in, we did mm -hmm. a report, uh, the Brazilian report uh, this past week, showing who uh, wants to vote for Lula in 2018. And we have a clear division. He has over 50% of voting intentions in the Northeast, but 20% where he's polling the worst in the South. Uh, richer Brazilians tend to vote less for him. Poor Brazilians tend to vote more for him. So um, it, it's a clear division, right? Yeah, it's a clear division. Uh, I think that has a, a lot to do with social classes. Uh, the poor in Brazil were the were the, the main beneficiaries of uh, Lula's administration's policies. They were the ones who emerged from the lower conditions in terms of income distribution in, in Brazil to a better condition. Uh, the unemployment rates were very low during his administration, and these sectors, uh, the poor, were the ones who were really affected. Also, Bolsa Familia, this uh, direct transfer of, of cash to poor people that was enlarged during his administration, because this is a policy that was already implemented during the, 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 his predecessor administration, during Fernando Ricardo's administration, but it was really enlarged during his terms, and also deepened in terms of uh, uh, not only affecting more people, but paying a, a higher uh, amount of cash for these people. And so uh, the poor were the ones who were really affected, really benefited. It has to do with rewarding Lula and his party for these policies. And on the other side, uh, we don't have people that lost money during his administration, but we have uh, sectors of society who lost prestige, who lost, we can say, distinction during his administration because, as I already mentioned, uh, the, the clear-cut divisions of social classes in Brazil, uh, they were blurred in this period. And in Brazil, this has a very important symbolic uh, uh, effect on political perceptions and political preferences. Uh, and of course, besides that, corruption is something that perhaps is more important for upper and middle classes. But uh, we have to, to, to recognize also that these upper and middle classes in Brazil, they are not so concerned with corruption when it affects the traditional politicians. They were not uh, concerned with corruption that affects, for example, DPSDB or Paulo Maluf, the right-wing uh, uh, politician that was arrested recently also, but when corruption comes from their ideological uh, adversary, well, it becomes a really important thing. I think that this is true for everyone, not only for the upper and middle class in Brazil, uh, also the, the, the left-wingers, uh, they are much more condescending with corruption of their own and more critical with the corruption of the <laughs> others. And this is what explains this kind of political preference right now and electoral preference right now. Claudio, the Workers' Party has called Lula a political prisoner, uh, has started a petition to get him the Nobel Peace Prize, has said that he's the victim of a witch hunt, of a conspiracy between prosecutors, the judicial system against a popular leader. How much 
of that of those statements are accurate? How much of them is just political bravado? Um, how much politicized uh, Operation Car Wash is? Because uh, even if we can argue that it has been harsher on the Workers' Party at times, it has also for the first time targeted billionaires, targeted some elected officials, uh, many of those who are on the left uh, of the left on the left side of the spectrum yes but uh, the, the the operation has um, poked some some nests so mm -hmm. how much do you think that uh, the workers party has a fair point when calling uh, a politicized operation well i think that uh, it's a very complex situation regarding the the, the car wash operation First of all, uh, really, it, it is perhaps the most important operation against corruption in Brazil's history. I think that uh, I don't have any doubt about this. But uh, on the other hand, the, uh, the instruments to implement the operation, they are really controversial. For example, uh, arresting people for provisional periods, uh, but provisional periods that never finish. Uh, and they only finish when uh, these people that are arrested for a, for a period, they decide to confess or they decide to establish a plea bargaining, exactly. Uh, well, uh, this is not a, a conventional way of using provisional, provisional arrests. Because provisional arrests, they must be used only in case of people who are uh, obstructing the investigations or menacing people uh, who, who are uh, witnesses uh, of the process and so on. Or they can uh, destroy evidence or something like this. Uh, but uh, keeping people arrested just because you want them to, to make a confession, well, this is a kind of torture, and I don't think that can be accepted. Also, the exaggerated usage of uh, coercive conductions, as we call in Brazil. Uh, I don't know exactly the expression for this, if there is an expression yeah, for this in English. Forcefully taken in for questioning, something like that, I believe. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know that. But, well, this is also a, 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 an instrument that can be used in an investigation when someone uh, refuses to go uh, voluntarily to the police or to the public ministry and to uh, make a statement. But when people don't do that, well, it's not uh, reasonable uh, to, to, to bring people uh, coercively in such a way. And we have uh, hundreds of coercive conductions during the, 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 the car wash operation, including the case of Lula. And, and uh, these are only examples of the excesses that were committed during the operation. I think that but, but it's what a very... were those excesses uh, for everyone, or were there uh, excesses that were targeted, uh, like the Workers' Party saying? Now, what I mean is that these excesses, they express uh, a, a, a way of dealing with the the the. the, the the process of investigation and with the trials, that is very unorthodox. And uh, why the, the justice do this? They do this because we have a demand on Brazilian society for punishing corrupts. It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter if you go against the law or not. 
it's not something really peculiar to the case of PT. It affected also PT, but no, not only the PT. Uh, in case of Lula especially, what's the, the, the outstanding point is the, the, the fastness of the, of the trial against him. Everything went really, really fast, much faster than in, in other cases. When uh, you compare, for example, the, the, the trial, the accusations, the investigation against Lula with other, uh, other people who are involved in the same process. Uh, and we have many uh, uh, reports about that on, the, on Brazilian media concerning this point. Uh, we have a lot of information about this. Even the, the, the last part was so fast, everybody was surprised with, with the decision of sending Lula to the prison uh, suddenly last week. And so you can say, well, why that? Why so fast in this case again? And finally, uh, the election of Lula as the main target of the operation by the public prosecutor himself. It became very famous, the PowerPoint presentation of Deltan Dallagnon, one of the attorneys uh, of the operation, uh, with many, many arrows, all of them pointing to Lula as the main brain of the scheme of corruption in Brazil. Well, we have a, a, a long-standing corruption. We have a, a scheme of corruption that affects the Brazilian administration, the Brazilian state as a whole. We have so many other parties uh, in Brazilian Congress involved with the same scandal uh, to put the president of Brazil that is responsible for building a political coalition as the main responsible for everything that happens. I think that is very unrealistic. It doesn't have to do with the way by which the system works, even because uh, any president that wants to run the country uh, must build a political coalition with parties that are not exactly honest parties, that are parties that are prone to, to, to be corrupt, that parties that are involved in problems with corruption, perhaps even more than the PT, as it is the case of MDB, for example. And when Lula is the one who is really affected about that, you have this perception of a somewhat politicized uh, case. And finally, and I think this has to do with this uh, uh, specific case of Lula, the, the reason why he went to, to the prison. He went to the prison because he was deemed as guilty of uh, receiving an apartment by uh, uh, entrepreneurs who had business with the government. The point is that, well, he never used the apartment. He had not the title of the apartment. He never uh, uh, lived in the apartment. And the people say that, well, but this is the proof that he was trying to hidden the apartment, the property of the apartment. And it becomes somewhat a Kafkian uh, case in which uh, if you don't, if you, if you receive the apartment, you are the only apartment, you are corrupt because it was a bribe. But if you didn't receive the apartment, it happened because you're trying to hidden the property of the apartment. You have no uh, uh, exit in such a situation. And so it seems to me a such an, a, 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 a <laughs> a strange case of, of, of trial. It's different, for example, from another situation in which Lula can be involved that has to do with uh, the, not exactly the farm. I don't know how to say that. Yeah, a country, a, country, a country house that has a lot of evidence, that has a lot of uh, pieces of clothing of him, of his late wife. Uh, exactly. There were, 
more proof that he actively used the, the property, right? Yeah, this is a, a in this case, I think that the guys that have there's a much more of gun. a smoking gun, right? Yeah, they have a smoking gun in this case. Why choosing the apartment? The apartment is such a weak case, but it doesn't matter. It went, uh, uh, Lulu was deemed as guilty for this case, not only by the justice, Jules Moro, in the first level of the justice system, but also by the three judges at the second uh, 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 instance. In the appellate court. Uh, exactly, at the appellate court uh, of the federal justice in Brazil. And the votes of these justices was also a, a, a peculiar vote because all of them voted exactly the same way. Uh, what made possible for the, the, the uh, Lula's a, 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 a attorneys to say that, well, this was a case of uh, a, a judicial cartel, and it, le it really looks like a judicial cartel. Well, the point and, is uh, that... The, the, I, I'm, the, sorry, the justice, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt sorry. you, but mm -hmm. uh, another point that I want to explore is that Uh, while he was convicted, his conviction was confirmed. He was only arrested because last week the Supreme Court uh, decided to deny him the right to suspend the, the effects of the sentence. Exactly. And uh, it, it was, a, to, to use a word that um, you have used, uh, it was a, a peculiar trial because Uh, there was uh, a lawsuit to challenge the constitutionality of, uh, of the Supreme Court's precedent to allow uh, defendants with confirmed convictions to be arrested. In the second the Supreme, degree. In the second mm -hmm. degree, exactly. But the Supreme Court's chief justice, which who is the one who decides which cases are going to try on which days, uh, instead of uh, choosing to analyze this broad lawsuit that would uh, uh, implicate on every single case of the kind, he chose to put to trial Lula's case, which would be a punctual decision. And uh, mm -hmm. we, we, we have written on the Brazilian report, the swing justice who decided uh -huh. the exactly. matter is Rosa Weber who Perfect. is someone who is against arresting people before a final judicial ruling at the Supreme Court. But she said, well, in respect to precedent, I have no choice but to deny Lula the, the right to suspend the sentence. So, uh, and one of the justices, Marco Aurelio, said, well, this was a maneuver because you didn't want to lose a trial, saying to Carmen Lucia, the chief Justice mm -hmm. at the Supreme Court. Uh, and that is also one aspect that gives Workers' Party supporters fuel to say, you see, he's being targeted. Yeah, and I think that they have some reason in this case. Because uh, we, everyone knows that the, the justice of the Supreme Court have today a different understanding about the thesis. Now, some justices changed their positions about that recently. And they want to decide about that again because they have a different understanding. Uh, of course, uh, one can deem as strange why some justices change their ideas. 
And specifically in this case, the justice that changed his idea is Gilmar Mendes, who is a notorious adversary of Lula and his party. He's not exactly an ally of him. And even him, uh, he used this argument to, to, to establish that it was necessary to reconsider the case. Well, but Carmen Luz, I think that she was sensible to the public opinion, to some sectors of the media, to some sectors of the justice itself, to not uh, allow the discussion about the thesis, only about the case. And, of course, it has a very important consequence, not only for Lula, but for the country as a whole. Well, uh, this is why I think that uh, we're not, we don't have exactly a, a very crystalline, a very clear case of a trial about which we have no doubt that what's only the law that was on the stake but we have a case in which political reasonings, political considerations, political preferences were present. And uh, the problem with that is also that Justice Marco Aurelio wants to try that broader general lawsuit. So then you could arrest Lula on a Saturday, and then uh, on a Wednesday or on a Thursday, you could let him go. Uh, how much of that creates judicial insecurity, because in Brazil we have a, a, a phrase that we also like to, we all like to say that nobody knows what is going to come out of a judge's brain. <laughs> exactly. And that's not that. something that is good, because uh, justice, the justice system should be predictable. You should know... Uh, uh, What's going to happen? What is the law? Uh, what mm -hmm. are the consequences or lack thereof? I mean, how much uh, are we in a system of judicial insecurity right now? I think that we have a judiciary that uh, mostly on the top levels of it is too much politicized. Uh, not only at the top levels. The Supreme Court really have that. For some justice more than uh, for others. Uh, Jumar Mendes, for example, he's an outspoken justice. He gives his opinion about almost everything that happens in the country. Uh, and with, with such a behavior, what uh, Jumar Mendes causes is a, 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 a political interference of the judiciary in the political scenario in Brazil. We have this politicization of the justice in Brazil, it, what is different from the so-called judicialization of politics is not only the judiciary, the courts uh, responding to demands of the society, demands that could be worked uh, in a different manner by the political system itself, but we have also the justices and the prosecutors acting to make politics all the time not only at the top level, but also at the basis of the system. Like, for example, uh, public attorneys that in, uh, in small cities or medium cities in the countryside, they decide to interfere on the local governments. They decide, for example, to tell the mayors who are the secretaries that they should appoint or not. And this kind of decision, it's not a decision that uh, belongs to the to the prosecutors or to justice, but this is a political decision itself. But we don't have such a, such a, a, a correct behavior happening now in this country. Everyone feels free to act politically, and it creates such a kind of unpredictability. And going back to Lula, mm -hmm. uh, in theory, 
uh, he's out of the 2018 presidential race, in theory at least. He has mm -hmm. a few possibilities of appeals, but uh, uh, right now, he would, if the election were today, he would not be on the ballot. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to ask two things. Is what will be his party's future? Because uh, the Workers' Party has always been Lula's party. He has always mm -hmm. been the sun around which every single other Workers' Party leader has gravitated. And um, another thing is, during his speech on Saturday, just before turning himself in, he spoke with a lot of praise about uh, three leaders of the left wing, Guilherme Boulos from PSOL, Manuela Dávila from the Communist Party of Brazil, and Fernando Haddad, the former mayor of Sao Paulo, who is also in the Workers' Party. Was that passing the torch? Was that telling his voters, look at those three, because one of them is going to be my candidate come October? Uh, I'm not sure about that. I think that what he was trying to do was to build a political coalition of the left. It was an attempt, from my perspective, of unifying the left uh, around him and around the PT, not necessarily providing support to the other candidates. I'm very skeptical about the PT providing support to a foreign candidate like Manuela Dávila or Boulos. Uh, in case of Manuela Dávila, because uh, the, the Communist Party is a small, a tiny party compared to PT, and it was uh, during the last years a satellite of the PT. It was. It would be really strange that such a party would receive PT support in a presidential election like this. Even considering the fact that PT is too weak. In case of Bolus, uh, Bolus himself is a person who has a close relationship with Lula. They like each other. They have a good conversation. But uh, on the other hand, uh, he belongs to a party that solves the Libertarian Socialists. Uh, which is a party that uh, was a, 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 a schism from the PT. They left the, the PT. They are dissidents. And uh, they were dissidents that was an opposition party to PT all the time since they, they were created. And now uh, it would be really strange for the PT to provide support for these guys. They were never PT's allies. Uh, instead of that, they were really uh, adversaries from the left. From my perspective, the most natural name for the PT to provide support would be Ciro Gomes from the Labour Democrat Party, the PDT. Uh, but the problem is that, first, Ciro Gomes was not there during this ritual of, of uh, perpetuation of charisma that Lula tried to do during this weekend. Uh, and, of course, to not be there, to not have at least an emissary like his brother, for example, who was the former governor of Ceará, uh, someone representing him uh, in São Bernardo. It would be very important to establish the links with Lula. They were not there, and so I think that this alliance uh, is menaced by this. 
Uh, and besides that, we know that also Ciro Gomes is a critical of PT and Lula himself, not a harsh critical. Some of his criticisms are very similar to criticism that people inside the PT itself do. But, uh, well, it's different from when it comes from inside than when it comes from outside. But uh, in terms of economic positions, political positions, the PDT and Ciro Gomes, they are closer to PT as a government party than uh, the, other, the other two guys. Uh, and, and so what about Haddad? And, and finally, Haddad, of course, Haddad is a member of the PT. It would be much more natural for the PT to provide support for him or perhaps for someone else inside the party. Uh, the point is that Haddad would be the new face of PT, a modern politician, a politician that had a very important uh, uh, performance as the mayor of Sao Paulo, a controversial one. He was not re-elected. But exactly for this, Haddad is not popular in his city. Haddad is not popular in his state. And so it wouldn't be easy to be uh, elected uh, as a presidential candidate from PT if he's not popular in his state, the state of Sao Paulo. And so I think that Haddad is a weak candidate in that regard. And so I don't think that PT and Lula, they are in an easy situation. They don't have good choices. And in terms, so for Lula, what can we expect right now? He will try to battle this arrest. He will try to overturn it. And uh, what is the future for Lula? Uh, he was the man a few years ago, and now he's in prison. Well, I think that uh, his future is to remain in prison for some period. I don't know how long. I don't know exactly what, how the judiciary will decide about him in the next months or perhaps in the next years. But I don't think that Lula uh, is capable of being a candidate in this election or even to openly provide support to anyone. Uh, I'm very skeptical about Lula, for example, interfering directly in the election. Perhaps they have recorded some videos, some videos that can be used during the elections or for the next weeks, uh, with Lula provi uh, making statements about something, uh, but uh, not more than that. And for this reason, it's, I think... Mm. Yep, you I'm sorry, say. but uh, speaking of interfering with the election, because last week we had some red flags from the, the military because uh, the army commander, General Villas Boas, tweeted that if the Supreme Court were to uh, perpetuate impunity as a clear reference to Lula, then the army would have no uh, alternative than to impose order, so to speak. And in a country like Brazil, where we have had several military coups, that really sends the shivers down the spine. Uh, how much do we have to worry? How uh, serious are these threats? Uh, how, how capable are the military of interfering with the electoral process in Brazil right now? Well, I, I understand such a statement much more as a bluff than something that is for real. But even as a bluff, it's very serious because, uh, well, it's not acceptable to have a member of the military to make uh, 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 statements like this, you know, to, 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 to pronunciate like this. Well, it's unacceptable because in a, in a democracy, 
members of the military must be uh, quiet about politics. Uh, the curious thing was that uh, uh, members of the Air Force gave a statement after his uh, going against his position <laughs> in certain but terms not to the counterbalance right? his position. The, Sorry? Uh, the, the interesting thing is that uh, the Air Force did that, but the president or the minister of defense, they kept quiet. Exactly. <laughs> no, not only they kept quiet, they said that, well, it was a freedom of expression. Well, come on, we don't have freedom of expression for members of the military, exactly because they are members of the military. Uh, well, but I think that this is an example of how affected our Brazilian institutions in recent years. Uh, the, the, the scandals of corruption, uh, well, on the one hand, one can think, well, we are cleaning the country. But on the other hand, what we have is a, 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 an illegitimacy of the political system itself. What makes possible for sectors of the state that wouldn't be allowed to make political declarations to do this. Not only the military, but uh, in the same week in which the case of Lula was considered by the Supreme Court, the, 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 the president of the Supreme Court, Carmen Lucia, decided to go to TV and to make her a statement to, uh, 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 asking for Brazilians to be calm, to be tolerant, to feel like Brazilians, well, uh, what's she? Is she uh, a queen? Is she a chief of <laughs> state? To make, to make such a kind of statement, it's not her role to make things like this. She could perhaps make a statement about uh, her court, about uh, the, the role of her court and only that, but not to make a general statement about the state of nation. It's not her role to make this. And I think that it has to do with the, the, the performance of the general. Everyone feels free to talk about politics all the time, even if they couldn't do that. And it, it, it's a, a clear example of how the political institutions in Brazil, they are affected. And uh, one last question. We have general elections in October. What can we expect? We have talked about radicalization, polarization, about the front runner who will probably not be on the ballot. So what is to come? Well, I think that we have a really fragmented, uncertain election. We have today uh, four presidential candidates who are really competitive. Bolsonaro, who is the uh, far-right candidate, that I believe that is the Brazilian case of the new fascism that emerges in the world these days. Uh, Geraldo Alckmin, a center-to-the-right candidate, who is a moderate, and I think that he's now uh, the favorite for the next presidential elections because he can uh, uh, gather uh, most political support in the second round of the election, in the runoff. He's a very competitive candidate, considering the other options. And you have two the, the, the only the only thing that I don't agree with you, I would say he's the right to the left, to the center. I'm sorry, not to the center, to the left. <laughs> ah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Right to the center. You are correct. Sorry for that. Uh, and we have two left to the center candidates, Ciro Gomes, who is also a, 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 a problematic candidate in some regards for his temper. 
Ciro Gomes uh, is a very explosive candidate that can affect his chances of winning the election for uh, uh, his mercurial personality. But besides that, he's a moderate politician with left to the center moderate po uh, positions. And Marina Silva, who has a similar position in terms of the left-right political spectrum to Ciro Gomes, but uh, who belongs to a tiny party with only 10 seconds of TV propaganda. And it's very difficult for someone with such a, a, a small-time TV to be elected as candidate. And perhaps we have the emergence of an outsider. Some people talked about uh, uh, Joaquim Barbosa, the former uh, justice of the Supreme Court who was responsible for the trial of Mensalão, and he is a popular person. He can appear as an outsider, as a honest person against the traditional politicians. Uh, and he has a sort of Lula-like story, right? So he has a sort of he has a sort of Lula-like story. Somewhat, man. A man. Yeah, he's a yeah, black a man, man who was born into poverty, fought exactly. racism. Exactly, uh, and became a minister of the Supreme Court, which is a very important attainment. Well, uh, we can say that he is the, the, perhaps a, a, a personality similar to Lula, not so charismatic as Lula, of course, uh, more conservative in some regards, but, but he presents himself as a left-to-the-center man, too, uh, in terms of values, in terms of his vision about economics and social policies, for example, uh, but conservative in terms of his uh, 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 approach to politics, how he deals with the political system. But the problem is that he's an outsider. And besides the presidential elections, we, uh, election, we have also the congressional election and the gubernatorial election. And if we don't have a Congress that is very different from the current one, and we have an outsider or a marginal president elected, well, we can face some problems in the relationship between the next president and the Congress. And I think that Joaquim Barbosa or Marina Silva, for example, well, they are uh, outsiders in some regard or marginal candidates. Bolsonaro is another question. Bolsonaro is an authoritarian uh, 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 risk for Brazil. But these other guys, the problem is that they are outsiders. And to deal with the Congress, you must have the skills to do that. I don't see these this, this candidates or this potential candidate as people who are able to deal with the Congress. Times of uncertainty. Claudio, uh, we could stay here for hours, but uh, we have run out of time. Actually, we have... Uh, exploded our time by a big margin, but it was a true pleasure to have you. Uh, it was extremely interesting, and uh, I hope to have you back uh, at, to, to our podcast sometime soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. And thanks to all of our listeners. We're glad you joined us this week. If you like what you heard, please take a few minutes to check out our reporting at The Brazilian Report. You can find new pieces on Brazilian politics, economics, and society every day on our website. That's Brazilian.report. We'd love to hear your suggestions and thoughts about this podcast. Please get in touch with us and let us know what you think. Uh, our handle on Twitter is at Brazilian Report. This podcast was written and produced by me, Gustavo Ribeiro, 
That's all for now. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Kidim <laughs> bobap,